0: Welcome to I Am I Have, brought to you by Happiful magazine and counselling directory. Now we all have mental health and some of us will experience or live with mental illness, but that doesn't define who we are. Through I Am I Have, we'll meet with some wonderful people who have spoken out about mental health and illness and find out more about who they are and the passions that shape their lives, as well as their reflections on their own mental health. We hope you'll join us and share your thoughts on social media using the hashtag I am, I have. I am delighted to welcome Ben Bidwell to I am, I have today. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. It's a privilege and what a lovely intro to the podcast. That was beautiful.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Ben. so I'm actually going to ask you to intro yourself now um, because being I am, I have, is about who we really are. So I think... In your own words, if you don't mind.
1: Okay, well, I guess there's almost two parts to me now. There's Ben Bidwell, who's sitting opposite you today, who's a 37-year-old man. And I guess I'm sitting here because a year and a half ago, I I started a blog that was mental health-based. It's very much around vulnerability and, and freedom and creativity It's called The Naked Professor uh, and I guess that's kind of become my alter ego in in some respects but it feels funny saying that because it's not an alter ego because it is very much me but the the images I portray I guess is my my alter ego. But I'm a a life coach and a meditation teacher and very passionate about mental health and particularly I think men's mental health because my background and my story is that I've come from a place of being a very closed man and, and very disassociated to my emotions and my feelings and kind of tried to be the, wore the mask of a masculine man, if you like. My blog is about unwrapping that and removing the, the masks and becoming a more vulnerable, more authentic version of myself or sharing the more authentic and, and vulnerable version of myself and stripping all the masks, bearing my soul and hopefully helping people along the way.
0: That's wonderful. And we're going to hear more about that with your first I Am, because your first I Am is I am really happy that I'm no longer the person I used to be. Can you tell us a bit more about that, please?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So I'm a very, very different person now to to the man I was in 37, to the man I was in my 20s. And well, up from naught to 30, really. But I think I was quite lost, if I'm honest. I didn't know really myself at all. I was just living in autopilot mode for a long time. So I just followed what I thought society wanted me to be. And that was the version that I showed. And that was the version of, of me who sought external validation. I wanted everyone else to like me. Yeah. It didn't really matter if I liked myself. I didn't really know how to like myself. I just was, I just seeked popularity. I just needed to be accepted. And I think that was because I lacked my own self-worth. I didn't have my own self-esteem. I didn't really know how to love myself. Uh, so I needed everyone else to love me, to give me something. That If someone else loved me, I had, I, at least I had that.
0: That external
1: validation. Exactly. Yeah. And I was very lucky because at the age of 30, I think the universe provided, is what I'd say now. I would never have said it then, but the universe provided, and I, I met a coach and I had a reason that I wanted to see work with this coach. That, that, that despite, as a man, thought, sort of thinking everything was fine, being yeah. a bit oblivious and unaware, there was one thing that showed up in my life that was related to sex, and that yeah. I'd, I'd always struggled with satisfaction in, in sex. And at the age of 30, that was something that, although I didn't want to necessarily change my mindset, I did want to change that. Yeah. I wanted to have kids one day, and I, and I wanted to be in a sexually fulfilling relationship, of I guess. Course. So um, that kind of gave me an excuse. And a coach was, started working with my flatmate, and I kind of was making a cups of tea when she arrived and having little chats with her every now and then. And um, over time, I was thinking to myself, if this, this lady is, is working with my flatmate to help him over an injury, which is what she was doing, maybe she could help me with, with my thing going on. So I spoke with her, and she was like, of course. And um, so at the age of 30 that started to unravel the person that I'd been for the first 30 years. And over the last seven years, just my my mind's sort of been rewired and I've become far more connected to who I really am without wanting to sort of be too cliched. and But kind of my my core and my essence, my heart, and less who I sort of thought I should be. The construct
0: that that you had.
1: Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Society's version. You know, the normal, the person who fitted in. So I've learned firsthand, I guess, um, when I say I'm happy with, that I'm not the person I was, I've learned firsthand the benefit of growth and, and developing my mindset and connecting to my sort of deeper purpose, and my deeper self, being more connected to my emotions and being more vulnerable and sharing them, and more open, and how much happier that makes me feel than through my 20s when it was all a bit empty, if I'm honest.
0: You are very emotionally articulate and and the way you talk about yourself is very honest. And you were talking about in your 20s, it was about external validation. What was that process like going from in your 20s when it was very much about external, when you met the life coach to to get to where you are now? How did that feel and how did that work for you? Because that's, that's quite a process.
1: Yeah, it's hard. Change is hard. Yeah. And it's not comfortable. You no know, you've got to get out of your comfort zone living that way was comfortable although it wasn't fulfilling for me yeah. it, w- it was comfortable so the process of unravelling it you know I had to do things and some of my friends would go what the hell's Ben doing really and my family going what the hell's Ben doing and two older brothers who were sort of conditioned in a very similar way yeah suddenly seeing their younger brother opening up a little bit what, what the hell's our younger brother up to it was much easier just to fit in with their stereotypical view of me so over the last seven years, yeah, little there's probably been little markers along the way where people just, oh, Ben's doing that again, or there's something little, and, and I've just slowly, there's been a, a graph, I guess, of, of upward connection, and yeah. I've just started to change and get a little bit deeper and deeper along the way.
0: And you must have opened doors for other people. You talked a bit about the universe brings you certain things, and so your flatmate was seeing this life coach, and then you saw this life coach. I think it's sometimes, it's kind of a domino effect, isn't it? You, you pay it forward as well, so your flatmate meant that you saw the life coach and through what you're doing you will have inspired other people to to make those changes as well in their life.
1: I hope so. That that's a huge thing and and um I don't want to ever be a preacher. You know as I say, I don't want to force you can't force this on anyone. No, no. one will change unless they want to. But I hope that in sharing my journey and and doing things like this and being authentic around it people may just especially men, I really hope especially men might say, "Hey, Maybe there is a, maybe I could be a little bit more emotional. How can you know, and, and tap into that space? Or, or I don't know, just learn to be a bit more connected deeper inside them. And rather than chasing the, the materialistic possessions or the, perhaps the more the egotistical things, mm-hmm. actually try and drive their life a little bit more towards their heart and what they actually feel and, and love, passion, and uh, empathy and kindness and these things. Um, I, I'd love to be a role model who could inspire men to, mm. to tap more into that space. I think if, you are. Oh, thank you.
0: And it must be a relief as well to let for yourself or anyone else who goes on this journey to let go of that construct and actually just let those kind of external demands go and really listen to who you are and what you need.
1: I remember when I first worked with a coach and she told me that money wouldn't make me happy i laughed in her face and you know and said you've you've said some really interesting things but i know that you know money and buying things and they make me happy and so you know that took a long time to filter in to understand because because i didn't have connection really at that point i didn't go deep i didn't get much out of the conversations i had or the relationships i had i only got so much out of them mm-hmm. So the things that did bring me happiness were those things. But as I've got deeper, I've learned actually the power of real connection.
0: I said earlier on, I was watching your Insta Live while I was making Spagball. You were talking about the difference between happiness and fulfillment. Um, happiness being head and fulfillment being the heart and the soul. I don't know whether you want to talk a bit about that.
1: that. That's my biggest thing. And that was my biggest changer. My life changed when I started stopped trying to please other people and started to try and please myself make myself proud of who I was and for me that's kind of happiness and fulfillment happiness is is pleasing people and everyone liking you and and it's a short-term emotion you know it's eating a tub of ice cream and it being delicious lovely and loving this ice cream when it finishes when the ice cream's finished the happiness is gone it's an emotion that's passed very quickly fulfillment is is for me is a deep pride in the person that I am and and the, the actions that I'm representing or giving to to the, to the world and who I'm who I'm showing up being making yourself just feel proud is a much deeper rooted sense. It doesn't come in and out like happiness. It doesn't, you're not happy one, you're not well, fulfilled one minute and unfulfilled the next. It's deep rooted and it's much longer lasting. Uh, it's a much stronger connection. So, my life changed when I stopped trying to be happy all the time, chase happiness, happiness, happiness. Mm. Like we think is, is, is we almost think that's the purpose of living to be happy. Well, everyone says the purpose of living is to be happy. Yeah. For me, the purpose of living is to be fulfilled because when you're fulfilled, I think you become happy for no reason, and that's that's the dream. I, I don't want to ha- be happy because I'm getting eating ice cream. I don't want to be happy because I've just bought some new shoes. I want to be happy because I'm proud of who I am and the person that I represent because that's deep rooted and that's real confidence and fulfillment for me.
0: I think that's what we all that's what we all need to aspire to that kind of fulfillment and connection to ourselves you said being proud of ourselves I mean I think that's the best possible thing to wake up or look yourself in the mirror and say you know I'm I'm proud of the person who I am so that's that that's definitely I think a message that you can spread the next I am is I am an introvert, despite what my images suggest. <laughs> so I wondered if you could tell us a bit about being an introvert, and also maybe what people might think your images suggest. Perhaps if they haven't seen them, perhaps if our listeners haven't seen your images yet.
1: Yeah. Um, so my images are of a, a silhouette, I guess, of a, a man who is wearing nothing, always from behind, and usually in kind of iconic locations. And this in this place where often in central London, where it's busy, it's crowded, and it's rushing, everything, you know, people everywhere, and I managed to capture these moments of stillness and and it's empty and there's just this silhouette of a naked man walking towards Big Ben or standing, looking across the Thames or whatever it is. And yeah, those images are are, are probably suggestive of, of someone who's extremely confident and bold and, you know, very out there, almost attention seeking, I guess. And you know the truth is I think I you know I, I don't really don't seek the public limelight strangely despite everything I've just said about the images and I don't seek the being the centre of attention in a room and a conversation I like it to be fifty fifty I like to share I want to hear as much as I want to share yeah there aren't many sort of extrovert tendencies to me or within me so yeah it, I think if you saw the pictures of me you you would quite possibly form a, a conclusion that I'm a Extrovert who's happy to put himself out there and, and is the life and soul perhaps and but the reality is now I'm, I'm and when we were chatting before you said I'm quite calm and you
0: are very calm
1: that's yeah that's more much more me than the um, the naked guy running around central London
0: some people can't separate the body from the sexuality of the images and and for me I think. What your images show is that you are bearing your physical, but you you want to lead the conversation about bearing your emotional and allowing people to to bear that kind of emotional openness. But the body starts the conversation because that's the opener, if you like. That's what people know when it's, it's visual. How have you found that conversation around your photographs? Have you found it frustrating that people have... Oh. I,
1: I totally get it yeah uh, you know you do. I, I completely get where that comes from and, I, and, I, and i'm the nicest thing that i ever get i think actually on this is when someone says i was drawn to your blog through your images but now it's your your message that i love to read or to that's see. wonderful and i'm like bingo thank you so much that's yeah. lovely but uh, yeah i get it you know the, the nakedness is sexual and we, we, it's a, we're a very sexual world these days and if you see a bit of skin it's you know that's often how it's it, um seen and the big challenge for me was turning my, my blog from, because all the images I posted initially were all naked, was turning my page into you know, a soft porn page almost. There's a naked guy in every image to actually really pushing my message through um, that, that it wasn't just about these images, this, my message was what counted. So I remember the moment when I first posted a picture of me and I wasn't naked. I remember you know, having anxiety around it, thinking, oh my God, I'm posting a non-naked image, yeah. And just because I wasn't sure how everyone would react I wasn't sure if 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 people would sort of if they cared about my brand in the early stage other than the fact I was naked. But it's been a yeah, and it's it was a tough process to translate this into naked images into actually a broader spectrum and this wasn't just about me being naked, it was about well, me being mentally naked, Mm -hmm. stripping everything away, not just physically naked in my in my images.
0: And how did people respond when When you posted things that were not so much about the the physical, you know, the body, did you get a good response?
1: I get a lot more engagement when I'm naked. But I think that's because there is a a striking element to it. It does capture people's attention. It does represent my writing. There is a real sense of vulnerability, and I do think it empowers my writing. So I do think that together, there is more power to it. But then there is also the aspect of um, the Instagram algorithm. The more engagement it gets, the more engagement it gets, you know, the more it goes out. So. That initial I think it captures people's eye when I'm one of those pictures and it then plays off the Instagram algorithm that more people see it and it gets more engagement Which and can only thing. be a good thing yeah so yeah but it's a real shame. Sometimes I'm like, this is a really important message to me, and, and yeah. it, but it doesn't go with a naked image, and not as many people see it and and the engagement, I'm very lucky, I'm really lucky with the people who who engage in the messages I get, and it's the support I receive is. a it really does touch my heart yeah i sometimes there's an element of frustration that I feel I have to be naked to, to get this image or this message out there yeah. so to be seen as much as I'd like it to be seen.
0: I can understand how that would be frustrating, but also how it can draw people into the bigger message. So it's it's a double-edged sword again, isn't it? It's that you know it's good and bad at yeah, the same time, which yeah. which I think sums up social media. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about your thoughts on social media when it comes to how we perceive ourselves. But
1: yeah, I mean, social media is a whole whole different ballgame. I mean, I, I think I'm lucky in the era that I grew up in, and that that I had a it wasn't all about social media growing up. But I do fear for for kids growing up and and them never having that sense of connection outside of social media or or the 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 first port of call of connection is through social media and i can imagine being a young teenager and the judgment that goes on around who's got how many likes and all the rest of it and and you know huge external validation seeking
0: yeah of course um
1: and that must be hard and the parents growing up with teenage kids yeah really hard and i don't know what the answer is to that
0: and you were talking earlier on about your twenties and saying there's this mm. this picture this this construct as a man in his twenties what was success look like? Mm. I think now I'm similar to you I didn't I didn't grow up with Instagram or Facebook or things like that. I think now there are even more Im- images of what success is. So I think you're right. It's it is a tough one for parents and young men. Actually, is that is that something that you would like to speak on? Or I'd love to. Yeah.
1: Like I'd, I would really love to get into schools because i think this is so important the Mm. kids are growing up thinking so many things are important that really aren't going to serve them and you know we talk about emptiness you know social media is not going to give them fulfillment you know if they're if they're chasing likes and that's where they they feel that that's their big prerogative for them in life it's gonna be a whole load of emptiness going into they go into their 20s you know deep connection with, with with real people and really Getting to people's heart and soul—that's where fulfillment exists, and that's where, especially in relationships, it is vital in relationships for me. Kids are growing up thinking what's vital for them is to get 50 likes or whatever it is. Yeah. And yeah, there's, there's, I'm already—I've already got a, a little bit of a, a bug against the education system in that at school, for all the things I did learn, no one ever mentioned the word mind to me. No, me neither. Know? And it's the most powerful thing. It's—it's our—it's our world.
0: And if anything's going to hold you back. It's not your GCSE results. It's not your A level results. It's not which set you're in. But mm. it it will be your it will be your mind, and you're absolutely right. When I was growing up, that wasn't something that was taught, and I I hope in the future it will be. Mm. So
1: I'd love to see more real life skills and include sort of mindset in yeah. in that taught at school. You know, the, the, it's amazing the things we did learn at school. I'm really grateful for the, the huge range of things that I did learn. But for, for, you know, basic education around mindset and, and, you know, what fulfillment is, for example. You know, the kids grow up absolutely chasing happiness. And for me, that's not the way to go. No. And for them to have no idea. I don't blame anyone coming into society now who's got mental health difficulties, challenges or, or a sense of emptiness or anxiety or whatever it is. I don't blame anyone. I think they've been put on that path, yeah. if I'm honest. And we need um, to
0: start early, don't we? We need to start young, talking about how to look after yourself, and how to look after your mind and your body and your soul. It's, it's you know, it's the three, it's mm, the three things, isn't it? Completely that, that need to be in school. So
1: mm, I hope it changes.
0: I hope it changes. You can make it change.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna try. <laughs> <laughs>
0: now your third, I am, and it's your final one is I am vulnerable and I seek vulnerable people. I'd love to know more about how you embrace your vulnerability. We've talked a bit about it already. And how you seek out and meet other people who are the same way.
1: Yeah, I love vulnerability. At the same time, I I completely get the difficulty with it. You know, if I were to to, to be in a room of particularly men and and say people put their hands up who wants to be vulnerable, then I don't think you get many hands. And And I get that because... the the very perception of the word vulnerable why would you want to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. you know i know i want to be safe thanks that's what i want and but vulnerability is authenticity it's acceptance that you're not perfect it's being real and there's no masks with, with vulnerability you don't need a mask because you're willing to show you show yourself and you and you're not scared or worried that if that's not good enough and when you start living that way you become really authentic and you start seeing people's hearts and souls. You start forming real deep connections, start being just incredibly authentic, you, you know. And that was another huge thing for me is, was to stop needing everyone to like me. You know, we're not here for everyone to like us. We, sh- we shouldn't. I mean, we can always be respectful. We don't. I'm not saying go and abuse people and be rude. But we, we're not expected to form deep connections with everyone. It's not. We're all yeah. so different. And if you become authentic, you're vulnerable enough to really show who you are then I think you open the doors to, to the, the right people to yeah. show up in your life and you can have amazing relationships and real deep and honest and amazing conversations that really impact you. All these things are why I love vulnerability. I've become obsessed with Brené Brown. Um, She's fantastic, isn't she? Uh, I mean, I, I literally I drop every word she talks about. I'm like, wow, that's another, just everything is inc- it's so smart and yeah. it makes so much sense. And yeah, that's another huge thing I've got. Is, is to want to change his perception of vulnerability. Um, I, as I say, I'm I'm incredibly drawn to to vulnerability. And actually, I've really I've gone to the degree now that Brené Brown talks about being cool is almost the opposite of being vulnerable. And I'm always say I'm 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 repelled <laughs> by people trying to be cool. And I'm and retru- really drawn to people who are willing to be vulnerable because for me that's where the authentic connection comes and it's real.
0: I think it's an incredibly hard thing to do to be vulnerable and feel like that won't be in some way used for ill, I think. Mm. And and I think the more people who talk about being vulnerable and that it's okay to be vulnerable, it's okay to be vulnerable in the workplace and not have it held against you, mm. the better. But what do you think it is that, that makes it so hard for us to be vulnerable?
1: I the word is a bad start. It's a, it is a bad word, isn't it? No one it? wants to instinctively be vulnerable. I, and for me, it is a thing of safety. You know, yeah. our, our, the number one job of our, of our brain is to keep us safe. That above all else. That's yeah. how we've evolved. That's why we're all here. Because our brain is hugely intuitive and in keeping us safe. And you know, I think it 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 plays its role too well and it, it keeps us being safe involves staying away from embarrassment almost. Mm-hmm. That that it perceives that as not being safe. And so we're trying to avoid being cool is we don't want to be embarrassed. We'll play it cool. There's no embarrassment there. It's much safer. And being safe is comfort zone. We'll all stick in our comfort zone. Being vulnerable is getting out of your comfort zone.
0: And sticking your head above the parapet.
1: Completely. Saying, this is me. I am not. I don't need you to like me. Yeah. I'm not being rude to you, but this is me. And it's my authentic self.
0: It's a place of such strength, though, Ben, to be able to say that. This yeah. is me. Great. If, you know, we form a connection, that's wonderful. But if you don't like me... That's fine too, but we don't have to be adversaries yeah. because I think in today's society there is there's so much about either or, you know, Brexit, you're, yeah. you're pro or, yeah. you know, against Trump, the politicians. It's all, you're, you're either one way or the, you're the other. And I think to be able to say we disagree, we, we don't have the same values but that's okay.
1: It's powerful if we can. And it, I think it's great for society. If we, if we could all start understanding that we don't all have to be best friends, it's okay for us to be different.
0: So for your I have, you've shared um, that you experienced sexual dysfunction. Can you tell us what that means for you and how this has affected your mental health?
1: Yes. it Well, it means, I mean, without wanting to get graphic, it means I really struggled to orgasm. Mm-hmm. It's a difficult thing. And it means that you know, in relationships, I haven't felt really sexually fulfilled. And I think my partner's probably felt inadequate at times. And sex is an important part of a relationship. So it's been a real challenge, and it's it's negatively impacted probably every relationship I've been in in some capacity. So, yeah, it's, it's something I don't want in my life, that's for sure. But at the same time, I'm extremely grateful for it. Because it, without it, and I'm really not saying this because it sounds like the right thing to do or anything else. But I'm, I'm genuinely without it, I would have been stuck in my ways that I was in my 20s and never gone on this journey that I've been on of self-discovery and um, digging deeper into who I really am. So it's taught me a lesson, and I think that's a big part of of me letting go of it now. It's is to say I get it, I understand that you showed up and that you you've talked to me, and I've listened now, and and and. Um, that's a big part, I think, for me in, in now letting go of that. So, in terms of what it did for my mental health, I think actually it was my my it was my bad mental health, if you like, or, yeah. or the way my mind was working, that my body shouted back. So I, I was I was behaving in a way that my my soul wasn't enjoying. Um, I was completely disconnected to my emotions, um, any feelings, and I think that kind of rings into. The lack of fulfillment in sex, if you like, I wasn't feeling like I, I, I could have done like others do, and um, my soul shouted at me, said, "Hey, let's change," and you know, I know how I'm going to get you to change, and that's to give you this, so you know something's not right, and and it it you know it did its job. It took me. I went to a, to a coach. And, you know, I listened. I think that's the big thing of this is a lot of people don't listen. You know, it took vulnerability for me to say, "Hey, I'm not happy with this." I'm going to listen and I want to change it. You know, I had to accept I wasn't perfect. And um, so I listened and, and that opened the doors to change. And I think for me now, you know, it's it's fairly deep rooted. This, this is something subconsciously, it's how my body thinks it acts now. It's been repeated and repeated over a number of years. Mm-hmm. For how I'm 37, however many, 19 years. So there's a lot of work to do to get to, to, to change it. But I think I've opened the doors now mentally. You know, I've connected my soul and we're now talking on good terms and that's all great that's good. yeah <laughs> so now it's just I think getting into my subconscious and that requires a, a lot of work for me it's kind of the final piece of my jigsaw I've done so much work and um my final piece is is this uh, to, to let go of that I think and um it's not about to happen tomorrow um, or next week but it's a work in progress and I feel that I'm I'm I've, the, the doors are open for me now to 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 release that but yeah I don't think it's It has affected my mental health because it was a challenge, and and it, it, you know, I was definitely really angry with it at times when it was up, it was interfering negatively on my in my relationships, and it was definitely something I didn't want, and I was angry. But I don't have that for sure now.
0: That's that's good that you've been able to let go of that anger. Yeah. Because you said earlier on, the universe has a way of of bringing things to us, and I think also. Quite often we separate the mind from the body and the mind has a way of telling us through the body as well, you know, there is something that you need to address here. And I think that's exactly what you've just said and and it must have helped when you've spoken and continue to help when you've spoken out about this. A lot of people who perhaps haven't yet made that connection between mind and body, have you had much feedback since you started to talk about the sexual dysfunction
1: yeah I have yeah I mean men and women you know sharing. thank you for for sort of taking away this taboo subject um, and just talking very naturally about it because it is a bit of a taboo subject you know
0: I think you eradicated the stigma and the shame by just saying it very plainly I think as as Brits, we're still quite. Maybe it's not Brits. Maybe it's just some of us are still quite caught up in in any kind of sexual language, and talking about the act of sex. So to be able to just sit and say it very plainly, I think normalises as it should be the conversation.
1: Mm. Well, that that's exactly where I want to go with it. And and the reason I'm able to do that is because I don't carry any shame around it, and that's a big thing. Um, you know, shame is buried within you. And that's that's how you feel shame when you can't share it. It's stuck there and it's negative energy inside of you. But that shame doesn't exist when you open up and share about it because you quickly realise that people actually are like, Oh hey, I'm not perfect either. And that's really brave of you to share that. Yeah. You know? None of us are perfect. And I had something and I didn't choose it and I don't know why it was why well, I do know why it was there now, I guess, but it showed up in my life without me asking for it and and I don't carry any shame around that. So I'm very able to talk about it very freely. And, yeah, that probably makes it easier.
0: Yeah. And um, you can set the tone for other people as well. And one of the things that I saw on your blog, which I really loved, was a, a quote that you talked about, which was, your wounds are not your fault, but your healing is your responsibility.
1: That's that's everything for me. Yeah. Because we've all got wounds. Yeah. Most people won't, won't open up to them. They'll bury them. And I'm trying to say to people, hey... We've all got wounds and they're probably there from childhood and you didn't even know. You you just lived. You just lived how you were and the perfect childhood can give you wounds, you know. Um, because we're human. Because we're human. We're fallible. Of course. But if anyone's going to change them, we're the only people who can do it. So it's just taking ownership. I've got a wound. It's okay. I'm not perfect, but I am going to work on it and try and improve because I'd like to be a better version of myself I like to keep growing and I think I can get more out of life if I can move on from that wound I don't want it to hold me back and no one's it's I really don't want anyone to hold any shame around difficulties that they have because it's they didn't choose it it's it's shown up out of their control most probably but what is in their control is changing it
0: that's great I'm going to ask you one final question. Perfect. If you could go back to 25-year-old Ben and have a chat with him, what would you say to him?
1: I would say stop trying to please other people and focus on pleasing yourself. Yeah, it's that external validation. It's it's, it's not going to get you very far. You know, other people's approval will, will, will be in one minute, but it'll be gone the next. You need your own approval. You need to look yourself in the mirror and be proud of who you are. So... However difficult it is, at times you need to do things that you don't want to do in that moment, but because you know it's going to make you a better person or make you prouder of who you are. If you can get that relationship with yourself, then you're in for a good time.
0: I think that's a wonderful point to finish. Thank you, Ben. And thank thank you you for being on I Am, I Have. And good luck with everything in the future. So you've got, well, a podcast will be out now, The Naked Professors.
1: Yes, yeah, it's really exciting. So so talking to celebrities, again, people's heroes about... Uh, their challenges that they've got, again, proving no one's perfect, trying to make this as normal as we can. Um, So that's really exciting.
0: That's great. We all just need to keep on talking.
1: That's it. Keep on talking. And we'll all realise we're not perfect, and that's great too. Yeah. Thank you, Ben. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for listening to I Am, I Have, brought to you by Counselling Directory and Happiful magazine. If you'd like to read more about mental health and wellbeing head over to happerful.com and sign up to receive a free e-edition of the magazine every month. If you're looking for local counselling support, you can find over 15,000 counsellors at your fingertips at counselling-directory.org.uk. Finally, if you need to speak to someone immediately, The Samaritans are available 24 hours a day on 116 123 and you can also email joe at samaritans.org help is available. This podcast has been produced by Happiful. If you've enjoyed listening, please subscribe, rate, review and share on social media. We hope you'll join us again soon.